Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from Washington, D.C. She is one Kathy DeToro, or Kathy D. Kathy D. released her first EP titled Nostalgia Addict in February of 2019. She sings in multiple bands, including 80s favorites The Leg Warmers, 2000s tribute So Fetch, and the six-piece high-energy ska pop group known as Party Like It's. She has toured Japan and played some of the top venues around, including the 930 Club, The National, The Anthem, Wolf Trap, Ram's Head Live, The Norva, and The Black Cat, just to name a few. She also runs a nonprofit for women in music called Project Hera, with the mission to connect, promote, celebrate, and empower women and girls of all ages in the music scene. She hosts monthly open mic events curates shows, and hosts a yearly music festival known as Harafest, celebrating female talent in and around the D.C. area. For our conversation today, Kathy and I are going to be discussing Jagged Little Pill. Jagged Little Pill, of course, is a little record by an artist named Alanis Morissette. And Jagged Little Pill was released back, gosh, It was released back on July 6th of 1995. It spawned several singles, and by several, a total of six, starting with You Oughta Know, Hand in My Pocket, Ironic, You Learn, Head Over Feet, and All I Really Want. So without further delay, let's welcome Kathy to the program. Kathy DeToro, you... (laughs) It's really nice to talk with you. You know, as we were, as we were just, you know, saying a couple of minutes ago, I've seen your name in print. I I dig your music. We have, you know, some mutual friends. Thanks. Yeah, it's exciting yeah. to connect with you. It feels right. It feels good. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, well we're going to be talking about Jagged Little Pill, which of course is by Alanis Morissette. Mhm. It's a really pivotal record that came out in the mid '90s, and uh, it spawned a bunch of singles like "You Learn," "Hand in My Pocket," "You Ought to Know," "Head Over Feet," "All I Really Want." Just really great all-around tracks that you know Alanis got together with Glenn Ballard and, and cut once upon a time. But um, I want to hear from you. How you know what inspired you to choose "Jagged Little Pill"? What kind of impact did it has it had on your musical career? So a couple different things. I was born in 85, so this came out in 95, and 95 was kind of my musical awakening. Um, I, my earliest memories I can probably trace back are mostly to fourth grade, and my teacher in fourth grade had this really cool thing where every Friday a kid could bring in um, a song, their favorite song, two kids a week, and play what they wanted. And I think that fed into, I was already predisposed to music a lot. Like my mom's a piano teacher. My dad, mom met in choir, like their music majors. But that 95 year was huge. And my fourth grade teacher kind of got me every week. Like we were listening to what kids liked and bringing in. And I remember someone bringing this in 
And I looked at the front of the cassette, and I remember thinking, that made me feel like it's something I shouldn't. The Catholic guilt started creeping up. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, I don't know if I should like that. It's got the word pill. It's got the word jagged. Those are devil terms. So, But I was so drawn as a musical kid who was playing piano and sang and knew I was going to do music and wanted to do music. Um, I, it just, it had a power to it for me, like on so many levels at just 10 years old. So it made sense. Um, when you reached out to me, I was like, well, I'd wanted to do no doubt, but I'm like, you know what? Next best thing to me, uh, Tragic Kingdom and Jagged Little Pill were like massive turning points for me as an artist and a kid. So, so I'm super psyched to talk about it. Nice. We are talking with musician. Kathy DeToro here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, all things Jagged Little Pill from Alanis Morissette. And uh, Kathy, can you tell our listeners um, who a couple of the players uh, are on this record that are backing Alanis up? There are a couple of really uh, keystone kind of names, if you will. A lot of yeah. you know, really well-known types in the music, music industry. Totally. Um, well, I know that, so first of all, we got to mention Glenn Ballard first and foremost, because, and I didn't know this until probably about five or six years ago that he co-wrote it with her. So, you know, when you're listening to music, you're not always so sure, like who, as you grow up, you're like, you come to learn about the songwriters versus the producers versus the engineers and the differences. And when I first saw the album, I'm thinking, Oh my God, she wrote all these songs. Well, then it's interesting to note that, he was producer, but also co-writer. So he really is. And I mean, she has even said, and I've read a lot about up on them, like as a, as a team in the studio, they both had a lot to do with. Um, so to give him credit, like I think is important um, because he kind of picked her out and was like, this is really good stuff. So that being said, I know that some really famous people played on the album. Dave Navarro is one of them. Um, I know he was on the You Ought to Know track. Flea, uh, from the Chili Peppers, also played bass on that. Um, and then Taylor Hawkins, the drummer for the Foo Fighters, he um, toured with her for that album, and Dave toured with her for a while, uh, which is, like, super crazy and, like, totally geeky, like, geeks me out if you're, like, a 90s music freak fan, like I am. <laughs> totally. I'm like, that's so cool. Like, as a yeah. musician, I'm like all right, I'm going to grab, like, one of the coolest, best bass players in 94 while we're recording before we drop it in 95. And then I'm going to grab Dave Navarro, who's got some stuff going on with Jane's Addiction. And then, so Glenn Ballard knew what he was doing. Um, and Alanis brought this, like, you know, young, super young, angsty, poetic, weird something that we haven't really seen um in my opinion before so just wow like what a combo what a combo with all those people this is the third record from alanis really young woman you know at this stage in her music career do you think that this is a continuum in in some respects on some sounds that she was creating early on totally i think it's still her she's the kind of artist that can't not be her everything she and I think you know what I mean when I say that like there's some people that can reinvent themselves and some people that can she's not one of them 
And that, that's not a bad thing. It's cool when people can do that, but it's also cool when people don't do that and, and can't do that because she is who she is. And I think this kind of took where she was kind of going already and the combo with Glenn was like, you know, he saw it in her. He, he heard it. He heard it. He heard mm-hmm. it in her and was like, we got something here. And then I think he really was able to, to bring out and highlight and know the business side of it and, and bring it to light. I mean, she clearly, the talent was there to begin with, that she was meant to do this. She was meant. And so whatever she created before, it was all just a plan to lead up to it. I think she's stayed pretty true to who she is and who she still is, who she was, who she is um, and who she will be. She's always just struck me as one of those people that, is seeking to kind of know know why we're here and about what you know she she asks questions she very introspective and processes a lot through music i think she's always been that way and this is just one more example of that it's a far cry from her days as a child star on you can't do that on television oh my god yeah little alanis yeah. It, I love when that happens because even like, you know, even the Mickey Mouse Club kids, like it's fun to watch, you know, even the Britney and the Christina's and the Justin's like it's fun when for us to consume uh, when people grow up. I don't know if I'd want to do it, grow up in the spotlight, but it's it's it is fun to see that like the progression of, oh, my God, I just love learning that about people. You know, I love learning. That's why this conversation is so fun, because you learn little tidbits you didn't know. Um, but yeah, Lannis has had a really interesting life. We are talking with Kathy DeToro here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. And uh, incidentally, uh, this is a silver anniversary for Alanis. Um, Kathy, I want right. to. Yeah. yeah, I know, it's crazy. 25 yeah. years. Sometimes, yeah. I, sometimes I feel like we're just barely removed from the 90s at times. That's a, um, weird, a really weird way of thinking. Mind, no, yeah. it's not, because. I, I still think it's 2003. Like I, I got, I got stuck mentally, not like in my social skills, hopefully. And, and, you know, but in my music world stopped for me around 2003, 2004. And I gauged the world against that kind of. So in my mind, the nineties were like literally yesterday. So I can't even believe that it's that long ago. I know. And, and some of that fashion has kind of come back. And, you know, I don't, I don't want kids appropriating my fashion from the 90s today. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm offended by that. <laughs> come up with your own thing. <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, I love it. That's so funny. It always comes back around, though. Don't you notice? Like It's true. Yeah. It's just kind of the way life goes. Like, fashion is cyclic, you know, and... And art even can be to some extent. Music can be to some extent. You know, it's um, it's it's interesting. But uh, but yeah, it's in my true. mind, it's nineteen. Yeah. It, the nineties are just just still around the corner for me. You know, the nostalgia has such a hold on me. I've always been that way, especially with music. Absolutely, Kathy. Why don't we talk about some of your favorite tracks, or we can talk about every single one. It's completely up to you uh, as to how you want to uh, tackle Jagged Little Pill. Um, where would you like to start? You know, let's start with um, the, the – let's go through the radio singles. Um, okay. Because I think the, that's probably the most digestible. And then I'll give my two cents on some of the other really great tracks I think that 
you know, would be worth checking out if people aren't super familiar with it. But obviously, um, you know, ironic, uh, that was the first song I heard because it was ubiquitous. Like the radio just sucked it up and shot it back out all over the world. Um, and I remember as an MTV kid seeing that video and thinking it was like super cool because it wasn't sexy. It was just boring, but I thought it was cool because it was boring. It was her in a beat up like Oldsmobile, um, in like winter time. It's obvious that it's cold. It's like really unglamorous and not romantic or anything like at all like that. And she's playing four different versions of herself in different, like, colored hats and different outfits. And it's just her singing along with her backseat version of herself and her, her you know, front seat version or passenger seat version. And um, I heard the guitars. I'm a sucker for, like, the 90s. There's a lot of sounds of 90s guitars I fucking love. And um, I heard that, and I was like, this is kicking. It's just got everything I want. It's got this powerful vocal it's got that drop where you're going from like the quiet beginning an old man you know like mm-hmm. it's taking you through you you when she goes from she starts it starts quietly and then at first it's like a dip into the chorus it's like and it like takes you over and the beat comes in and for me that is a great like example I think of a alternative rock radio hit right there. Yeah, lots of cool dynamics. Um, are, there totally. any, are there any lyrics that stand out for you on Ironic? So there's a couple. And I was young when this came out. So I'm like, Chardonnay. Like, I didn't really, I knew Chardonnay was something you drank, but I didn't really know what it was. So when she talks about the fly in your Chardonnay and she talks about the death row pardon, like, She's going from the imagery of a fly in your wine glass where you're, like, chilling with your friends to a death row pardon. Like, okay, mm. Lance, like, that's a little extreme. <laughs> like, you're <laughs> taking me from, you know, so the imagery as a creative kid stuck with me. And I think that was a lot of her, who she is and, and her way of storytelling is, a lot of her songs have strong imagery. And there's a lot, there are different spectra that are riding around with her in the car, specifically these personalities. And that is kind of, they're on complete opposite sides, you know? Totally. It's like, we have this happening. We have that happening. It's all different. And and even social, I mean, she's bringing up, you know, things that happen, anxieties, you know, people who are afraid of flying. And I still am scared of flying to this day. To this day, I still think about this is oh, this is insight into my depth, the depths of my anxiety. I um, I still think about that line where she says, "The man um, as the plane crashed down." Oh, Mr. Thought, Play is safe. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Man, that stuck with me. So I think like her ability, and and again, a lot of this is dependent on you know, how susceptible you are and, and what you soak up from it. And I certainly was that sponge of a kid. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, this song in particular I found pretty fascinating because of the analogies and the beat kicking in, the dynamics, her voice. And there wasn't anything at that time I can remember from a female really kicking like that. Like, Fiona Apple was 
kind of around Tori. It was more of like, but Alanis was like the rocker. Like I saw Alanis as somewhere between a folk acoustic and rock music. Like this album to me is a rock album, even though she has an acoustic song on it, even though she has dynamics. Like I actually take a lot of my influence from Liz Fair and Alanis and the Cranberries in the sense that they were female singer-songwriters that started, like, writing on piano. Like, I wrote a lot of and guitar, but then kicked it in with two guitars. You know, like, I play rhythm, my bandmate has it lead. Like, I love the combo of the rhythm guitar with a good, you know, strong lead, bass and drums. Classic. And I, I just really connected to it. We're talking with Kathy DeToro here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about Jagged Little Pill, the third offering from Alanis Morissette. And, uh, Kathy, you mentioned you wanted to tackle a lot of the uh, radio singles first on Jagged Little Pill. After Ironic, what's next? So, for me, what's next, I I, want to say, and and I don't remember exactly what order they came out. I know that um, You Ought to Know was a big one. So, this was the dirty one. This was the no-no song. This was the one that I the Catholic guilt would creep up during. Um, and this one confused me. So, like, musically, I'm like, okay, this is kicking, right? I'm like, right. well, but it had a different feeling to it than ironic. It had a grungier, dirtier, heavier, more like, she's pissed about something, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, um I knew I wasn't allowed to listen to it, <laughs> put it that way, which made me want to listen to it more. Um, and this is the one that I think got her a lot of respect, like for a lot of different reasons, um, in the sense that it's incredibly well written. It rocks the F out. She's got Flea on the recording. She's got Dave Navarro on the recording. And it's basically an F you to Dave Coulier, who is our beloved Uncle Joey. Mm -hmm. So now, interestingly, as a 10-year-old kid, I'm not concerned with that. I'm still watching, you know, reruns of Full House and loving it. I didn't learn that until probably high school. And then I'm like, whoa. And then Alanis starts admitting it, and it's okay. And then we can talk about it. And I'm like, whoa, you know. And so that song for me, um, I didn't love it. When I there's a lot of different emotions around it as a kid, but I've grown to really love it. Having sung it a bunch and learned more about it, I've really grown to love that song. One thing we should mention too is that Ben Montench from Tom Penny and the Heartbreakers plays organ on this song. Ooh, yes! Oh, God, fun little fact, Tom, yeah, and yeah, he's killer. And there, I would probably say Tom Petty is like top three for me. It's it's well produced. I mean, the whole album really, but um. Yeah, they really brought in the big guns to make this one, which I think says a lot about Alanis' songwriting potential and what they saw, what they, you know, what Glenn Ballard saw and was able to be like, there's some major, major emotions here that we've got to channel and get going on this. Because you can't listen to that song and not feel emotion. You just can't. Right. Any yeah. Anyone across the board. I'll sing that song. When I do cover shows, I – um. You know, I try to pander here and there, and I, I, and I love the '90s. So you're lucky if you love the '90s and you're around one of my shows. But I, um, and I'm lucky if you love the '90s because then we'll all be happy together. But 
Um, this is one of those songs that guys really like too. <laughs> like I've just found in my just a little gender study uh, market research. Um, yeah, like you think more it's a ironic. movie theater reference. Do you think it's movie theater reference? I might be. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we got it. We got. Oh my god, I had no idea what she meant about that. A ten year old does. A, a Catholic ten year old doesn't know what that means. Going sure. down on you in a theater. Right. Um, yeah, the song is an education. Uh-huh. Truly. Right. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. And there's obviously an older gentleman involved, this Mr. Duplicity, you know. It's way beyond a 10-year-old's ears, or at least Mm -hmm. my 10-year-old ears. Like, I was totally just, like, floored (laughs) by it and would often skip over it um, because I was scared of it. So. That's really super provocative and really uncomfortable ways. (laughs) Totally, but that's what was cool about, and, and that could be said about the album in general, like, it, it, it is a provocative album. It's a woman, you know, coming out, speaking about blowjobs, speaking about, I mean, she, she's talking about abuse in relationships. She's 19, 20, like she's talking about heavy things and you don't get the sense that someone's feeding her this to talk about it. You get the sense that she's really, you know, she, Fiona Apple, there was this movement of these women like Ani DeFranco, like in the mid nineties where they are, they are who they are. They are not being products of like at least to me it came across as really authentic and Mm -hmm. and for me was a guide and an inspiration to be like I don't have to just talk about nice pretty things I can really sing and play about what I feel even if it's dirty even if it's ugly even if it's and I'm still getting there to be honest with you but Alanis definitely paved the way for you don't have to be the nice girl. You can be raunchy in your songs and they can rock and kick ass and you can have the respect of the industry backing you, you know, which I think at the time is a massive undertaking. And she did incredibly well, probably due to the fact that a white guy that was plugged into the system helped her along the way. You know, it's interesting. Jagged Little Pill came out in 1995. Alanis, in this this record as a whole, predates Lilith Fair by two years. Yep. I mean, she was very ahead of the curve in a lot of respects. I think so, too. Totally. I think she falls into that category of, you know, women, artists, musicians that had a, have a voice, had a voice, didn't know how to go about it in such a male-dominated industry. You know, we're in 2020 now. It's it's changing, thank goodness. And, you know, I'm 35 now as a musician uh, for over 10 years now professionally. You know, I can I feel like I can speak to this. Like, it's – I think about when I was a kid and how I received these albums and how I received these songs, and I think about knowing what I know now, right? You always say if you had known – and it fascinates me even more, and I've come to love and appreciate and learn even more now, having lived a lot of it myself, and the, the, the sexism and the, you know, the stereotypes that exist. And I think sure. going through it in my own time, in my own experience, made me love and appreciate these, these women even more. And Alanis totally is in, like, the top of that category for me. Um, she really was an example of someone that wasn't going to go a route 
that she was told. She she put out what she wanted and what she felt. And that rawness, I think, really holds up in Jagged Little Pill. Absolutely. We are talking with musician Kathy DeToro here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. All things Alanis set all things Jagged Little Pill. Um, what's next, Kathy? Uh, we've talked about Ironic. We've talked about uh, You Ought to Know, which was released in uh, 95 proper. What um what other single would you like to discuss in great detail here? Let's go to You Learn because You Learn really stuck with me. I think not. I mean, it's super catchy, um, and it's basically a song of things that Alanis is recommending to us or telling us um, that she feels or thinks, and I also think it's obviously relevant because she says jagged little pill in this song. So the album name sake is mentioned. And, and I have to say, I think it's super cool when artists do this. Yeah. She let me a crumb. Right. Right. Like, um, and again, you know, at the time people were naming albums for like concepts or maybe a song or, but for me, I thought it was cool that she kind of just hit it um, in this one. And it's even like an echo. It's not even like, you know what I mean? Like if she yeah. says, swallow it down, what a jagged, it's thrown in. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to know like that conversation. I want to be a fly on the wall when they're like, okay, so, but see, I already kind of know that was just Alanis. Like she, I feel like she probably knew exactly what she was doing with that. And it was super cool. The other part of the song I dig besides the fact that it's super catchy, um, well-written, just again, like ironic, kind of going back to that kind of vibe. When she says in the second line, so she says, the first line is, I recommend your heart trampled on, getting your heart trampled on to anyone. It's like, all right, Alanis, way to start a song. Then she says she recommends walking around naked in your living room. The word naked, like, I just remember being little and being like, ooh, ooh. Like, you know, I'm not a toddler, so it's not acceptable anymore, right? right. And I'm not old enough to live on my own and walk around naked in my freaking living room. You know, I'm a 10-year-old kid. I can't. So I'm like, what's that about? And just even that word, like, for me, naked around your living room, like, the freeing feeling, that imagery, I understood at that age even, like, okay, like what, it made me think deeper into what she meant. And that I think is really cool about a lot of Alanis' songs, like as a kid. And again, a lot of this has to do with how I consumed it. I was clearly like really into, you know, the meaning behind stuff. And so for me, these little, her sneaking in jagged little pill into the song, you know, her talking about things like I hadn't thought of before. So it was fun. This song, I still listen to it. I still relate to it as an adult. Yes. Um, her recommending things to us. She's basically saying, go for it, because everything is a lesson. And I think it's a really cool song in that sense. Like, it's almost like a poem. Like, it's just cool. It's just a cool song. I really like this song. I think of you learn as, as the aftermath of you ought to know. In some respects, you, you know, mm-hmm. and I think about that theater reference that we discussed earlier, you know, totally. her, her pouring her heart out, you know, to this 
older gentleman and trying to deal with the fact that this guy, because he is Mr. Duplicity, as she says. Yeah, he wants screwed her nothing, over. Screw, screwed her over, wants nothing to do with her. And, you you know, you lose, you learn, you cry, you learn. There's this, yep. pr- there's this process of learning, this process of uh, feeling vulnerable, and that is okay because it's part of the human experience. I was just, it's totally, it's super relatable, right? Like, certainly, whether you like her or not, whether you dig the music or not, whether you get it or not, we can all get down with the, you know, common, you live in and you learn. We've been told that as kids, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I you're I totally get with that sentiment. Like she's, I think that's really I, that's a really good point. Like she's like, all right, well, and this album really is taking you through her like feelings. You know, a lot of artists I come to learn they don't always write from such a vulnerable personal personal place. She is one of those people that does, and that's probably why I'm one of those people that do. I don't. It's hard for me to write objectively. It's hard for me to write out of my own head. Write about that, you know, car. Write about that. It's very hard for me. Alanis, I think, has versatility as a writer, but I think this album certainly is a journal. We're talking Jagged Little Pill right now. We're celebrating its 25th birthday year on Cover to Cover with Matt Targa. We're talking about this record with musician Kathy DeToro, Washington, D.C.-based Kathy DeToro. Um, (laughs) Kathy, what other... uh, singles would you like to discuss? Well, we would be remiss if we did not mention Head Over Feet. And this one makes me smile when I say it. Um, I'm very endeared to this song because naturally it's endearing. I think it is just such, again, a great rock pop song. I think it is so precious and sweet and honest and real and another one of Alanis's journal entries. Um, and I, it's just relatable. And, and even when I was, a, so when I'm, when I'm 10 and I'm hearing it for the first time, I like the melody. I like the beat. I, um, you know, she rocks a little harmonica, you know, the dynamics, I'm into it. I'm into it. It's catchy. And then the older I get, I start to experience more emotions and relationships and, and all the wonderful feelings that come with growing up in adolescence mm. and being an adult and, 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 you know, connecting to it even more. And I always go back to this song and feel just warm. Um, I think this is her, her admitting that her stubbornness, no matter how, how much she got hurt, no matter if she were stubborn, if she wishing, you know, she th- did things differently this is her kind of saying, I loved you. I, Hmm. this is why I, Hmm. I had to, I had to hear you. I had no choice. Like I felt these things. I fell hard. You're my best friend. Like I'm even getting the chills talking about it. Like it's a love song, like lip service. I didn't know what lip service was. I'll never (laughs) forget hearing that. I was in a CVS. I will, and I'm very like, I'm photographic memory. Like I can, I was in a CVS and I'm like perusing. I'm a little kid again, like maybe 11 or 12 with my friend. We'd we'd walk to town. We called it town. We'd walk to town and it was like a CVS, a pet Uh store, a little movie theater and like a Denny's. And I'm in the CVS, like buying a surge 
or an Orbit or some yes. weird, like, late 90s drink that I yes. shouldn't be drinking. <laughs> and, um, of course, sour cream and onion oats chips. And I'm, like, hearing this, and I'm, like, what is lip service? But I didn't want to say or ask anybody. So I waited like an idiot until I was, like, 19 or 20 to figure it out on my own. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Alanis tried to teach me is the point. Um, but I was, you know, when you're little and you're like, I don't want them to know I don't know what it means. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so that really <laughs> sticks out to me for this song. So There's a line in here that I really dig, and it's the, it's the last little stanza. You were the bearer of unconditional things. You held your breath in the door for me. Thanks Brilliant. For your pa- thanks for your patience. Right? Oh. oh. You yeah, held your yeah. breath and that all for me. Like, it's so good. Uh-huh. Like, even the cadence, like, all of it, the rhythm, yeah. like, everything about it, you just ha- you, you have to like it. It has yeah. to touch a nerve. It hits a nerve. Yeah. She knows she wasn't, be, you know, she wasn't uh, 100%, as as the kids say now. <laughs> um, right, right. But, yeah, but she, totally. she really wanted to be, you know, as as emotionally available as she could for this person. And totally. yeah, and that somehow totally. that person got it and reciprocated and stayed patient. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. God, there's so much in this album. Like now that we're going through it, it's just crazy. <laughs> this yeah. album is loaded with emotion. What's What's next, Kathy? What do you want to talk let's about? Let's do. Let's do. So I gotta say, my favorite song on this album, like my favorite song on this album. It gets me going every single time. It wasn't always my favorite. It was my favorite once I started writing music, once I started in, in my teen years, is the first track. It's called All I Really Want, and it kicks this album off. Like, I would love, and I've said this before, like, in life to my friends, to my – I need – I want to write a jagged little pill. Like, a lot of my – songwriting is inspired by this in the sense that I channeled channeled a lot of my emotions through songwriting and um all I really want kicks in so hard (laughs) for me like there's something about the way that it starts it's like it's warming you up I love when albums like ease you into it I also love when albums punch you in the face but this one okay, the harmonica's going, the beat's not in yet. It's like, we're getting ready for the ride. And at that time, I really dug that kind of concept for an album. So she's bringing us in. And then the song, her voice in this song is kind of like an FU, but the song is not an FU, but it is. And that's something that Alanis does well. She gives you an FU, but she doesn't. She does, you know, like she's able mm-hmm. to, this song is her, like, angry. She's like, what I really want from you. She's saying, you did me wrong. You did these things to me. I mean, it gets dirty. I mean, this song, like, I don't know how much you know about this song, but this is not one of the happier songs. But it rocks. Um, she's asking for, she wants justice. She says, and with the way she says it at the end, she's like, all I really want is justice. And the way you can tell she's making a face, you can feel her face, you can feel her anger. That really stuck with me for this song. 
and I can feel the face that you're speaking about. <laughs> all I really want. <laughs> I can feel the I can feel the way she's kind of contorting it. She's you know, like grinding her teeth. Yeah. She's like you mf'er man. I'm feeling all these things, and again, I'm getting the chills talking about it. Like this is what they mean when they say music is emotion you feel this is why we love music like she gave it to me and this song she gives me it makes me feel alive it makes me feel empathy for her it makes it makes me feel I feel emotion through it I can hear her emotion I can feel her emotion I think she does a great job in general as an artist with that and and another reason why I love her is her authenticity because it's just who she is and, um, yeah, yeah. it's authentic. Yeah. It's real, right? Like, it's real. Like, some of our favorite, the people we love the most, I hear from a lot of, a lot of people echo this. Like, it's because they're real. It's just who they are, and they're just getting it out. And you're sitting there listening to it, and you're like, I get you. I feel this with you. This song makes me feel it with her, and it gets me going every time. So when I'm ready to go out, when I'm ready to tear shit up, when I'm driving – Whatever I'm doing, I put on this song. I love this freaking song. I love that there is a radio fade out. So it's just, it's this never ending feeling that. Totally. You know, it's, it's unfinished business. 100%. She's trying to find that common ground. Not yet. I still have plenty more to say. And it's so cool. Totally. this This is the opening track here. Like this is. She's getting it off. She's getting it off her chest, whatever it is. She's saying strap in. She's saying strap in. And I feel that. Like, I feel like, okay, I'm going to put the belt on because we're going on a ride. And, you know, to go from all I really want to you ought to know as the second track, that is not a coincidence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and, and we know this growing up digesting albums, right, as whole pieces of art, as whole pieces of work. And, like, it all matters. It's all thought out. It's all thought out. So I loved as a kid seeing all aspects of the album, of course, artwork, credits, lyrics. But I also love seeing song order. Like song order to me is still a thing. And I agonized over it for my own EP and I changed it 1,700 times. But like it matters. It's part of the... And she did it well in this album, I think. So Do you have have tricks in your own... Um, approach when you when you've cut a bunch of songs like every totally. musician kind of has like a little trick like it might totally. be a, it might be a key that they pay attention to or it might be a lyric. Um, you don't have to give away any of your trade secrets, but do you have a process by which you sequence tracks? So it's cool because and here's the thing: my secrets are everybody else's too. Like I'm all about like it's all coming from somewhere, right? So I'm all about sharing it. It's like. For me, the vibe, and this is going to sound super like the vibe, man, but I don't mean it in that way. I mean, like, (laughs) I want it to be, dynamics are a big thing for me. Um, And because song orders mattered so much as a kid, I really paid attention to that. I like the concept of, like, kind of a journey and variety. So if I start with, I like to pull you in, and I think Alanis does this well, so I think starting with one that's going to have more of the mass appeal um, or at least 
like kind of rock or kick ass or like take you on like you're like all right like we're we're getting into something yeah. I tend to take that approach and then I dial it back from there like I want to I want to hook you and then I kind of want to go along with whatever I feel which is maybe I want to give you I want to ease you into it so we'll do something a little more mellow but I definitely don't put mellow after mellow after mellow after mellow um, now, if I wrote mellow music, I freaking would. <laughs> That's why you're a child of the 90s. You care about a good mixtape. I care about a good mixtape. I want to bring you up, then I want to ease you back, then I want to give you something to chill on, then I want to give you something to groove back on. Then I want... It's, I care about track order, and I really appreciate that question. And it's certainly not wasted on our generation. So it's fun to talk about. It's fun to talk about this with like-minded individuals. The, the, right on. The, yeah. the nerds, the, one, the, the, the nerdy group <laughs> of us that care about and understand the importance of the good mixtape. Absolutely. Friends, we're talking to Kathy DeToro here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, all about Alanis Morissette's third record that she cut with Glenn Ballard called Jagged Little Pill. Um, what's next, Kathy? Are there any uh, additional singles you want to speak with, speak to, or do we want to get to a little bit of a deeper cut on the record? What, Let's uh, get to what a little choice? deeper cut. Yeah, because okay. I think, so in my opinion, between Ironic and You Ought to Know, Hand in My Pocket and You Learn, those were kind of like the main radio hits. Um, I think a, a, a song worth mentioning is Mary Jane because it's really soft and emotional and she so she strips it totally back and I could always hear her uh emotion in this song. Hmm. I wonder um, if she wrote this in San Francisco. Good question. And and this was as a kid this was like totally lost on me. Obviously like I came to know that Mary Jane was you know, means, you know, marijuana, like, I, I, and, and I don't even know, like, this is one of those things that I was a kid, and I thought, okay, this song is about Mary Jane, her friend Mary Jane, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't think it was drugs, I didn't think it was addiction, I didn't think it was any of that stuff, Um, but it's clear as an adult, and pretty soon after my 10-year-old ears feasted on this, um, I came to know that it, you know, obviously isn't really about that. And even if it is about that, there's certainly different avenues we can take on it. I'm, I will say for me, it's a, it's one of the more emotional songs on the, on the, the whole album's emotional, but this one is the stripped down emotional one that mm-hmm. stuck with me. It's really pretty. Um, and you can hear her like pleading with this, like in the song, she's like pleading. Um, her voice just has a lot of emotion in this one. I don't know. And and so it, it stuck with me. I would skip it as a kid, but I really enjoy it as an adult um, because it is, it's just emotional in a different way than our other ones are. It's stripped down. It's, yeah. it's you know, you can hear more pain in her voice. It's not just angst. It's not just the F you, you did me wrong, dude. Uh-huh. It's like, it's like deeper pain than that. Mary Jane, okay like. feel. You know, like, don't, please don't censor your tears. Like how many, I mean, I mean, as you know, you're a woman, have you ever been told, you know, you shouldn't cry. You shouldn't feel emotional about something. Has that ever Uh, happened? You know, you know, it has. And, and I, well, 
my situation's even weirder because I grew up seeing that crying's a sign of weakness and that men, you know, of course the class of men don't cry. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be strong and saw that as a sign of strength because it was framed to me that men are strong and men don't cry. And so, yeah, I, and I, and I didn't feel okay crying for a long time. And you're, that brings up a really good point that this song does kind of give you that path. And um, it's powerful in that way. Yeah. To, to continue the lyric here, you're the sweet crusader and you're on your way. You're the last great innocent. And that's why I love you. That's, you know, it's, it's heavy stuff. It's yeah. heavy stuff. She could be talking about her own self. She could be talking about someone else. She could be talking about both. She, yeah. But I think it's relatable regardless. Like, I know I've certainly felt a lot of the things that she's, mentioning you know Uh are you happy you know are you know just so much in this like it's 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 a powerful song it really is yeah you know i hear you yeah it's a a call to tell me i'm listening like it's almost like when do you ever have people saying hey how are like tell me all your problems i I got you like i'm here for you yeah it's not the norm. <laughs> it's just no. Not, you know, I'm no. a I'm a former high school counselor, and I, you know, spent many years in school learning how to actively listen. I struggle like hell with it because I like to talk and I have things I want to say, but the concept of of listening is really lost on a lot of people and really tough. And and um, having someone say, "Tell me." what's the matter that's powerful in itself you know absolutely so that's a really that's a cool song talking with kathy detoro right now on cover to cover specifically about alanis morissette's 1995 record jagged little pill and um are there any additional tracks kathy that you would uh you would like to discuss or should we uh uh close things out with a conversation about cover art you know, the last one I, I really do want to mention that because okay. it's a cool ass song is not the doctor. And this oh, is yeah. track 11. Okay. So this is a, this is a later track. So, you, you know, to me, this is like a little hidden gem. It's kind of not a throwaway, but it's like, it still has its place and it still has its purpose. Um, it's eerie. It's yeah. E- totally. I love this song melodically I love it rhythmically I love it like I I love this song um she's saying I'm not gonna put up with your shit (laughs) you're you're one of the lines that sticks with me um a lot of lines of this song as a female I have to say she uses you know, she uses a bunch of different analogies. I don't want to be your babysitter. You're a very big boy now. So we we know that at least she is making it clear that she's talking about a guy. I don't want to be your mother. I didn't carry you in my womb for nine months. Like, no one was saying that. Like, like, it didn't even fit the rhythm pattern. You know what I'm saying? And she's like, no, we're keeping this in there. (laughs) Like, Hmm. Uh I didn't carry you in. Like, she's getting specific with it. She could have just said, I don't want to be your mother. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I think she's she's driving this home, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
And I think a lot of people criticize Alanis for that, but I appreciated it. And even if you get tired of, you know, the, the, the storytelling or the poetry or the analogies, I think musically not the doctor is still one that um, you shouldn't sleep on. It's, it's a kick-ass song. It's just got a great vibe to it. It starts off kind of acoustic. It kicks in a little more for the chorus. Her voice is just the emotions coming out in it. It really shines. Um, and the lyrics are killer. So I think Not the Doctor is the last one I'll, I'll point out and say that uh, is very much worth checking out. Talking with Kathy DeToro here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. And uh, Kathy, I would like to talk about the cover art to Jagged Little Pill. What kind okay. of what kind of images are conjured up in your mind when you when you look at this? Do you immediately get transported back to 1995? Um, what um, what kinds of emotive qualities do you see in Alanis's face on this? What uh, what say you? So, oh man, this is an interesting one. When I first saw this, it was a cassette, so it was tiny. And I just remember thinking it looked cool how her name was blurry and her name was big, so it was obvious. And, you know, I didn't even, the little jagged little pill on the bottom right, that was kind of an afterthought. Like, I I didn't even notice that at first. Because, again, it was a cassette. It was tiny. And I didn't, I wasn't concerned with that. It's super 90s, in my opinion. It's got the color scheme of the 90s. It's got the, that blurriness is such a 90s yeah. thing to do. Like, um kind of skeletal in some ways totally totally it's simple but the colors are cool like and and you know I definitely stared at it because of the colors and she has such great facial structure like it draws you in um but it's simple enough where it's just not over the top so I kind of like that too and I and I, I think what sticks out for me the most is her tilted head and this may sound super strange, but in my mind, that is, like, I could see her swallowing a pill. Like, I see her face in the background. I'm like, yeah. okay, she doesn't care. She's looking down. She's introspective. Like, she's kind of like, this is me. Like, I'm doing my thing. Like, I'm putting my – but the tilt back, uh-huh. I feel like I could easily place a pill right in her mouth, and it would go right down her throat. And right. that stuck out to me, like, major in a major way. I'm totally with you, and the way Jagged Little Pill appears in that bottom right-hand corner, completely blurry. I wonder yes. if that's supposed to signify how you, you you might be feeling after swallowing that Jagged Little Pill. Or are you just completely Ooh. trying to numbify yourself from the pain that you've been experiencing? Okay. Interesting. Yep. See? Maybe. And that, yeah. Maybe. No, but that's cool. Totally. I can totally see that. It's like once you take it, it's like, you know, your mind's getting a little, you're trying to numb it out. Things are getting a little blurry. It's like two images of her. And you know what? It's interesting. I'm staring at it right now. And when I zoom in, like I'm looking online, the the effect they used, like, it's funny to think about that now because it was 1995, right? So, like, seeing this was like, whoa, that looks so cool. And, like, mm-hmm. now we see it and we're like, oh, we could recreate that, no problem. You know, there's filters mm-hmm. that actually actually look a lot like that, the red and the mm-hmm. green. But at the time, it's important to take it in context with the time. And the fact that 
like she's it's just her face on it, I think is important too. Like she's clearly not going for the sex symbol thing. She's clearly not going, you know, mm-hmm. she, she wants you to focus on maybe what you said, the blurriness, the, but, but, but the colors, it just, it draws you in, in a way that makes, in my opinion, you think, what has she got going on? <laughs> Yeah, that what that white that white about? that whiteness at the top, you know, what's the that, whiteness? What's yeah. the whiteness? Like what? Yeah. What's her head fading out? Like, yeah. what's the squirrel got going on? Yeah. I and wow. I, I yeah. think it conjures up like definitely wanting to know more about her, and I think essentially in that way, it accomplishes something really cool because music and art is a lot of that, you know, what, what, why am I going to pick up this album versus that album? If I haven't heard anything about it, this makes me want to pick it up. I want to know what her deal is. Mm-hmm. I, I've wondered too, if, you know, her looking, her head tilted is, you know, as you said, swallowing that jagged little pill, but is there a look kind of towards redemption, even though she's kind of staring into this like white blurry oblivion, light, yeah. Yeah, oblivion. Yeah. yeah. She's staring into oblivion thinking, can I find clarity? And then the other side where she's looking off is kind of like, well, either way, I got to, I'm, I'm, I'm eyes to something, right? Like, yeah, got to keep going. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's really fun to talk about and pick it apart, actually. It's cool. Cause I, I really do think the artwork of an album is unfortunately lost on a lot of it's not the same. I don't want to say lost on, but it, it's it's not the same. And there was this magic um, to how, you know, it wasn't as accessible to get access to. It wasn't easy to get access as it is today to these albums and this artwork and the music and to physically and tangibly have them. And um, it makes me really nostalgic staring at this because I can remember holding the cassette. My neighbor had it. Um, and I made a copy of it because my parents wouldn't let me have it. <laughs> you know, when you're little, if you have the artwork, you're, you're, you're in big trouble. Like the artwork yeah. sells you out. You know what I'm saying? You had to hide, yeah. like I had to hide that artwork, but I could, I could, you know, make myself a copy of that tape, pop that tape in right. and, you know, a little blank tape, you know, but, yeah. um, hide it in your Walkman. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is, it is interesting. And you bringing up that white space. I never really focused on that white space before, but I do think that's cool. Like thinking that she's kind of looking up like, well, shit, we'll yeah. see how this goes, <laughs> you yeah. know? Kathy DeToro, I want to thank you so much for being on the program. Um, I really enjoyed talking about Jagged Little Pill with you. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing so much about this music and how much it continues to inspire you. And uh, just thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Matt. This is really cool. Um, and like I said, like, I mean, this is totally up my alley. So thanks for giving me the platform to gush and be nostalgic and be all about me and my emotions about this album. Like, it's it's really fun to process with um, with you. And, and I have, like, new insight on it from this conversation. So thanks for having me on. Really, really cool. 
My special thanks to Kathy Totora for taking some time to stop by the program today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you as always. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Google Play, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Take a moment to tell your friends and your family about our show. Let us know how much you like it by giving us a good rating. That'll certainly help us appear higher in those search results. And as always, feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.